most insidious about fat shaming is that so much of it is done in a kind of undertone way. A lot of it's just a look. A lot of it's a disinterest to talk to you. You know, you see those things online where it's like, oh, the difference in how people treat me now that I've lost 100 pounds is night and day. And it's like, we know what it feels like when someone is treating us as an equal or when someone is treating us as less than, and we know why. And so we gaslight ourselves a lot out of that truth because we almost, I think, don't want it to be true. But I actually think it's important to accept what is happening so that you can address it head on if you choose to. Welcome back. This is the Confident Collective Podcast and we are your hosts. I'm Ryan, And I'm Christina. We are curb models, content creators, and some would even say comedians. We started the Confident Collective Podcast to help you live your most confident life by sharing our stories and sitting down with experts to talk about, well, life. We chat sex, dating, business, relationships, and so much more. We hope you love this episode. So let's get into it. Listen, we're going to start this podcast. If you're watching the video, I just want you to know that we are in a new studio and we saw these two other girls who we love following their podcast, raise friends with one of them, record in the studio. Chloe. And they look so cute in these little chairs. Oh. And never did Ray and I realize how large and in charge we are because we take up. No, 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 like looking at them in the chairs and then looking <laughs> at us right now in this camera and these chairs is actually comical. I'm dying. And my, and my sweater blends into the background. Anyway, okay. Um, Re- Christina, what's going on in your life? Please tell the people why you are back in New York City. So I'm back in New York City because it is my grandfather's 100th birthday. Um, Papu, turning 100. 100 years old. Isn't that insane? I think it's so special, That's so exciting. Crazy. So I feel like we couldn't miss it. I kept going back and forth because life has gotten like a little crazy. And I was like, no, we have to be there for his 100th birthday. And I just think it's like such an amazing milestone. I mean, he was born in 1923. That's insane. That's insane. That's insane to be alive for a hundred years. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's seen some shit. He has. He like lived through World War II. He was like a slave in Greece to the Germans during World War II. Isn't that crazy? They took Wait, over the island. What? Mm-hmm. Wait, what's your papu's name? Apostola. I'm oh, sorry, one more time. <laughs> <laughs> Apostolo? Apostolo? Yeah. Apostolo. Like apostle. Um, or like, I think if you were to ever translate it to English, it'd be Paul. Apostolo. I think that like, that's what they, yeah. What's actually kind of crazy too is my grandparents, I don't know what year they moved here in, but I think I've said this before. They moved here and they moved straight to Brooklyn. They came through Ellis Island, did the whole thing. Um, they never drove in America And they never learned to speak English, which is so crazy to me because they moved to Brooklyn, New York, and their entire neighborhood, their entire community, all of their circles, all Greek Greek. people. So it was just like such an interesting life. Anyways, 100 years old, it's like such a blessing. So cool. I'm very thankful. Hopefully those genes pass on to us too. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But I'm really excited about it. I think it's a a huge moment. That's going to be amazing. Um, my life updates are basically nothing. <laughs> I, you know, when that like that is that TikTok when it's like you've cleared the energy so much in your life, like you're just like home alone on a Friday night, just, or you're pr- protected your peace so much, you're just like boring. I think I'm in that phase. I was talking to my parents last night on the phone, and my dad was like, "Oh, we're like you seeing anyone? Are you dating anyone?" I'm like, "Dad, I can't tell you the last time I spoke to a man." Like being dramatic, but still, I was like, "No, like I literally have not been on a date since June," and he's like. 
wow, I'm really happy that you're happy alone. And I was like, <laughs> the way you said it, I was like, all right, I think you were actually not trying to be sarcastic, but okay. No, but that is nice. I think being able to be content and happy alone is huge. I think that's what, something that people really struggle with. Yeah. And then I had to just fill them in on how I just think dating is so different and like men just like don't really approach it as much anymore and yada, yada, yada. How did so, your parents meet? Oh my God, this is actually a good story. So my mom was a waitress at this uh, restaurant in downtown Denver and my dad and his friends would always go there and my mom was supposed to go out with my dad's friend, Mark. And he, um, this was the second time Mark had stood her up. And my dad was sitting at the bar, like, doing some doing homework, I honestly think, because he was in college. And he was like, well, why don't I just take you out? And so then he took her out because Mark stood my mom up for a second time. And then that was that. Wait, I love it. That's so cute. I know. Are Mark and your dad friends? They were really good friends. Mark passed away, but he Aww. they were they were good friends. Okay, so he no hard feelings that no. your dad stole his girl. No, no, no. I like mean, whatever. Everyone was stayed friends. Okay, like, yeah. They were all good friends. Wait, that's um, really cute. So is he ever like does he ever give you advice to uh going out to meet people or no? No, my dad was just like, No, I get it. Like men are kinda dumb. Yeah. Like he said he's just like I just was like, I don't really get approached that often. Like <laughs> uh, like I'm thinking about what my dad always says. My dad's what? always like we're going to have to find your brother a wife. <laughs> He's like, how's he going to find someone? Alexander. <laughs> and all, Alexander. My dad's always like trying to set up everyone. We should, I should tell him to look out for you. He's, I'm like, he's not trying to set up. He's like, always trying to nice set up Greek my cousins. Man. He's like, I gave up on them every single time. Every single person I try to introduce them to, they don't end up like doing anything about it. Tell your dad I'm ready. I'll I tell would, my dad. I'll tell my dad. No, if I married a Greek man, we could all go to Greek. Well, even if I didn't, but it would just be more fun, you <laughs> It'd know? It'd be so fun. It'd be so fun. I mean, I've been trying to get Steve to set me up with someone for years. Steve has no eligible no. friends. Oh, it's really a letdown. It, it is really a letdown. We'll, we'll see what happens. Maybe, maybe he'll, he'll meet some new people. Yeah. Um, but I also have to tell you my obsessed. What's your obsessed? Okay. So... I have just discovered you and I have different taste in television and <laughs> TV. So I never watched The OC growing up. Mm -hmm. And my friend was telling me about it recently. And everyone we were at this dinner was like raving about the, the OC and how like they, it just has such a big impact on their life. <laughs> I think this is the most boring show I have ever watched. I cannot. I'm just like, this is, and I love like teeny bopper shows. I'm just like, this is so boring. And I'm like, when is this going to get good? Okay, what episode are you on? I'm on episode, like, Olivia Wilde is in it. Oh, so you're pretty far into it. I'm like, I'm so far into it. I'm like, this is actually crazy. But somehow I still think I'm on season one. Is season one 87 episodes? No, I think you're on season two or three. Okay, no, I'm on season two, episode three. Wow. That, the it's first like 26 episodes, I think, a season because it's network TV. Crazy. It's really long. I will say I love the OC so much. Um, there was a point in time where my mom was like, this is ridiculous, guys. You both live at home. I have to buy both of you the sets of DVDs for Christmas. <laughs> my sister and I were like, we each need our own. Really? Oh, yeah, we You were obsessed. I loved it. Are you kidding me, Seth Cohen? Oh, wait. Seth Cohen is my dream. Exactly. Oh, see, I thought maybe the girls growing up would be into Ryan. 
Who was everyone obsessed with when it was Seth, on TV? I feel. I mean, I guess like Ryan is like, but Ryan doesn't have enough of a personality. Like, I'm sorry, Ryan is the most boring the most, television exactly. character I've ever That's seen. Cohen, I fucking love him so much. I'm obsessed with him. He's and Summer, yeah. I love her too. Marissa like drives me crazy. No, Marissa drives me insane. Marissa and Ryan are so boring. I can't stand it. My favorite are Seth. Seth's parents. Oh, I love it. And Julie Cooper. And Julie Cooper. Julie Cooper. Wait. The gold digger. I'm not going to even tell you. Wait. What's her last name right now? She's married to the Julie Cooper Nickel? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to give a spoiler? (laughs) 20 years later. So honestly, I'm just really trying to push through this show. Um, And I'm... How many seasons is it? Four. Four? I think the last season... Okay, a character comes in season three who I love and I think you'll love a lot too. Okay, well. Um, I will say it is a slow burn, but you should just. We, I now would just have it on kind of like in the, in background. the background. Yeah, totally. On my TV that everyone bullies me about that's too small. Oh my gosh. That is so funny. People make fun of you for that. Uh, I don't understand. Your apartment is gorgeous. Thank you. Um, I also think that at the time, like the fashion was so iconic. Like it was just like overall, you know what I mean? And it was like the dream of like living in California. The new Newport. Newport. Beach. You're like, oh my gosh, these kids are going to the beach like that. Like they have this yeah. freedom. Like they're rich. They're beautiful. Like yeah, it was all of it together. Okay. I get that. Just stick with it. Okay. Well, I will say I do like Gossip Girl better, though, overall. Yeah. I actually have never finished Gossip Girl either. I get bored. I need to rewatch. I think now that I'm in New York, I think I'm going to. Gossip Girl is. Who was your crush in Gossip Girl? Mm. No, I wouldn't say I like I actually had a real crush on any of them. Like, I definitely didn't like Dan. Oh, okay. I thought Dan was so annoying. Um. I like Chuck. Oh, yeah. Chuck was sexy as fuck. And Nate. Nate. I honestly, though, Serena was my style icon. Like, I bought my first pair of riding boots because of her, and everyone made fun of me in high school. They're like, Ryan, are you going to wear boots after school? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all you bitches are going to be wearing them. And they were. Serena was such a style icon. I love Blair. Oh, I love Blair. I love her so much. She is like just the ultimate icon. You know, she's married to Seth Cohen, right? What? Layton Meester is married to. Oh my gosh, what's his what's his real name? In real I life? have no idea. Yes, they are married. No, oh, that's so crazy. I know. I know. I'm gonna have to Google them later. Oh my gosh. Okay. I know. I keep saying this, and it's so annoying. But you need to watch Vanderpump Rules season one, episode one. Stassi is like such a villain. In season one, she said that, like, she based, like, her personality and character off of Blair Walder. Oh, I love that. What are you obsessed with? Well, interestingly enough, I don't know if we have similar tastes in books either. So I Don't <laughs> even get... Oh, my God. Okay, no, no, no. I saw your note on the thing. I saw it on the thing, and I thought, finally, she's got some sense in her. Oh, God, no, just get over okay, with. Okay, I have been enjoying it, but for some reason, I'm, like, a little confused. So I started <sighs> reading a, a Court of... Thorns and Roses, right? Book one. I like it. I like it overall. Um, I'm in, intrigued with this fantasy land. I think I'm, a, like, a little disappointed because people made it seem like it was going to be, like, this hot, steamy, like, sexy book. And, and I'm, like, I'm not feeling hot. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I didn't feel that one in the first one. Okay. Because my friend was like, oh, my gosh, these fairies. 
are making me so horny. And I'm like, I want a horny fairy like books in my <laughs> no. life. Like, why aren't I feeling this way? Well, I actually agree. Like later in the books, it gets spicier. But like the way people were talking about it, I was like, you guys, like, do I just have like, am I just like super vulgar? Because I was like, this isn't, this is like PG-13, maybe. PG. I'm like. E- even, honestly. But it does get better because they go into more detail. Oh. Okay. They go honestly. Book one is tame. Okay. It gets spicier. Okay. There was like one scene. I was like, oh, finally things are starting to pick up. But then, and I don't want to like get too much into the book because I don't want to spoil it for everyone. But there was a certain part where I'm like, it just felt like there was all this buildup, and then all of a sudden someone was like, there's like one chapter that like pretty much described the entire storyline and plot line and what was happening. And then I guess like things are supposed to get like a little bit crazier after that because I'm. Almost done. Almost done. With the first book. With the first book. Okay. But now I've like started slowing down. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Just push through because honestly, they get better from here. The first book was my least favorite. That's what everyone kept saying. People were like, oh my gosh, book two, book two, book two. Yeah. So I need to get to book two, but I'm excited to have a new series. Yeah, no, it's good. I'm on. I'm now reading Throne of Glass, which is by the same author. Okay. Similar, less spicy, I guess. Which I'm like, I didn't even really. I was like, I think I like need spicier books. Also, can we just talk about Colleen Hoover? Because I feel like maybe what was it like last year or two years ago? Like, like Verity was popping off, and everyone was reading it. When I was flying to the airport, there's like huge walls of Colleen Hoover books in the airport. Like Hudson. Yeah, she's like the. It's insane. Is she like the number one best-selling author or something? I think so. She's like killing it. Wow. No, she's for sure killing it. Go Colleen. Yeah, impressed. Um, Well, let's get into today's. Let's get into today's episode. Going deeper with Rosie, we're talking all about fat shaming. So in today's episode, we are talking all about fat shaming. Ray and I were in New York City for Fashion Week, and we had this event at Casa Cipriani, which is a super cool, exclusive members club. It was like the end of Fashion Week rap party. It was like kind of a big deal. And after the party, there's this couple screaming, fighting with each other outside. It was kind of scary, honestly. I'm not going to lie. Like there was like slaps going around. It was like a little unhinged. We're all standing there. It's like two in the morning. We're like, what is happening? But what ended up happening was the security guard, I guess, was asking them to leave. And the guy starts screaming at the security guard, calling him fat. He's like, you loser, you fat loser, lose some weight. Like, and he just literally kept calling him fat as if like fat was the ultimate diss. And Ray actually, (laughs) do you remember this? I know. I was like, I actually wasn't even drunk, but I was like, oh my God, you look amazing. Don't (laughs) listen to him. Yeah. (laughs) Because I was like so triggered. I like literally was like so triggered by it because I was like this basically, which randomly he popped up on my TikTok after. What? I told you. Wait, the person that was screaming? Yes. So he's like this Ford model. And I think like Ford models were like paid to be there. And he was screaming at this guy being like, you fat fuck. Like I'm being paid to be here. Like, let me in. And they wouldn't let him in because like it was closing. And also him and his girlfriend were beating each other up. They were literally slapping each other. It was just like so disgusting. And then the fact that he was just like calling this like poor man fat got me so riled up and I was like trying to defend the security guard and then I was like wait like also I don't want this like crazy man to come after me wait because when you were starting to defend him I was like oh my gosh he's gonna come over and start calling us fat fat too (laughs) and that's what I was thinking and I was like I was equally like proud of you for like 
you know, just being like a good Samaritan and like defending this innocent man and being like, you look great, sir. And I was like, oh my gosh, Ray, he's going to come attack us and call us fat. I thought this like six foot five blonde chiseled man was about to come over and be like, what are you guys saying, you fat losers? That's what I thought he was going to say. <laughs> Dude, that's so funny because we didn't even talk about it. But in my mind, I was like, what is she doing? He's going to attack us next. <laughs> like the other fat people there being like, like we were how like, dare you? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Anyways, all this to say is that like, we are grown women, and the idea of being fat shamed like still hurts and is prevalent. I feel like this is something that happens to a lot of people when you're younger, but you kind of never grow out of it. Like no one wants to be fat shamed. It's such a sucky feeling. And like, why? Why does this still happen? Like, why is being called fat feel like such a diss and such an insult? And why do people think it's okay to say that? So today's episode is all about fat shaming, the experiences that we've had and kind of how to handle it and overcome it. Yeah. And Rosie, I remember when you called me a couple months ago <laughs> and you had like a really bad experience on a plane. And I honestly just like <laughs> didn't even know what to say. So can you like share this like plane story with us? Because yes. this was wild. Okay. First of all, like just rewinding, I wish that they had have come and said something to you because I feel like <laughs> Christina would have fucked them up. Like I would have said she would have no, gone I think in. That everyone has us backwards. I don't think I would have. I think I honestly would have, like, shut down in that moment. Okay, well, wait. For the amount of times you guys had your shoes off during Fashion Week, I feel like you would have taken off a heel and run after him. Like, that is the visual that I have of you two. Well, Christina's feet were so busted at this point. She, <laughs> this bitch wasn't running anywhere. <laughs> but also our friend Jason was with us, and I do think that he would have really gotten spicy, too. Yeah, I think yeah, he I think would've, he would have. But anyway, I, I think, weirdly, something came over me. Like, I think, like, that that just, like, triggered something deep inside me, and yeah. I was like, I will not stand by while mm -hmm. this man does this. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. So, so yes, I have a I have a story. I have a doozy. I have to try and summarize it because I love to give every bit of the detail. No, but we love your storytelling. <laughs> okay. So just go. For okay. It. So first of all, I should shame myself because I was on a spirit flight. Let's just say that. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I, I hope no one works for spirit on here, but. They, so I was with my best friend and we were flying back from New York. It was like, you know, five, six hour flight. We get on, she takes the window. I take the middle seat because we, you know, we we're taking it in turns and I sit down and I'm, this is my first time on a spirit flight. So I'm kind of like, oh shit, like these chairs are small, but you know, I fit in the chair more than fine. I put my seatbelt on, happy days. And this girl sits down next to me and I can immediately tell she's kind of got weird vibes, but you know, like I'm a big believer that like you can just keep to yourself on a flight. Like, I love talking to people, don't get me wrong. And I've made some, like, amazing, like, friends and conversations on all the flights I've taken over the years. But, like, I just got the vibe she wanted to chill, do her own thing. Fine by me. So we're sitting there. And you know those, like, two little things that, like, are the legs of the chairs in front of you? So I had my yeah. shoe on one of them on my side because I had, like, to cram all of my belongings under the chair in front of me. So there was, like, nowhere to put my foot. So I have my shoe there and at one point she just, she was like, can you move your foot? And I was like, oh, oh God, yeah, I'm so sorry. My, meanwhile, I'm like aware of what tight quarters it is. So I'm trying to be like extra nice and extra polite, which I think is totally a thing that people do when they're afraid someone's going to like criticize them in a certain way. So it's fine. The flight goes on. And she just kind of was like looking at me like over her shoulder in a weird way. And just like <laughs> energetically, I could tell something was not good. And so anyway, the flight goes on. I wear awake the entire time. It's a day flight. She falls asleep. And I've got my like arm kind of like tucked in by myself because I'm using my armrest by my best friend. And she like full on like sleeps, leans on me, snuggles in. And I'm like, look, it's a small flight. 
like, yes, kind of she should be staying on her side, but like, I get it. You know what I mean? And so anyway, she wakes up from her slumber and I've put my shoe back again because I'm not anywhere near touching her and my shoe's on that little like bar because there's nowhere else to put my feet. She was like, can you please move your shoe? She's like, these are $600 shoes and you're going to get them dirty. I, I did not know what to say. I was horrified. And so, of course, obligingly, I move my shoe again. But I'm thinking to myself, this bitch is on a spirit flight and she's worried about her designer shoes. And also, <laughs> like, the subtext of that message was, you're dirty, right? And this whole time I'm sitting there and I'm like, is this is my own imagination? Am I just imagining that she's got, like, a cross to bear? Maybe I'm projecting my own insecurities. You know, like, I think it's always important to kind of, like, do an inventory of yourself and where you're at. And I just knew she thought I was fat or big or in her bubble or somehow less than her or in, you know, in her words, like dirty shoes, dirty person, whatever. And so I'm sitting there and you know, when you have like a hot rage bubbling in you, but you don't know if you should say anything. I say something every time because one thing I am not going to be as a curvy person is silent. Absolutely fucking not. So I yeah. just, Wait, I, what did you say? I'm shocked. I kind of like can't imagine you saying something. Oh, every time I turned to her, which took one centimeter and I was just like, you're being rude. I was like, I don't know if you realize this, but the entire time you were asleep, you were leaning on me. Talk about being in my space. And I didn't say a thing to you about it because I understand the situation that we're in. It's not ideal. It's not fun. It's not comfortable for anyone, but it is what it is. And she starts going, well, you should have woken me up. That was your choice. Like all this stuff. Anyway, and so I was just like, I, I, I sort of was trying to make her realize that she was being ridiculous. Like I still had a hope that she might like realize that this didn't need to be this way. This girl dug in. Anyway, long story sideways, I'm like raging. And then we have to sit there next to each other for like another hour in silence, like giving each other side eye. It was the most uncomfortable thing of my life. Anyway, she was a horrible person for many other reasons, which I won't get into, but she was just like, she said all this horrible stuff. You know, she gets up to leave and she goes, I hope you have a really good day. And then she starts walking down the aisle and I stood up and I won't tell you what I said, but I yelled down at her in the aisle because I was just like, absolutely not. Are you going to leave in a way that makes you feel like somehow you were superior here? Your behavior was abhorrent. And anyway, she then is by, the, this was the worst part. I think the ordeal is over. I'm leaving the plane. I'm feeling like hot fire waves of like shame and uncertainty and self-criticism, even though I've done work in this area and I knew that absolutely I had done nothing wrong and that my existence is absolutely as valid as hers. So I get to the, like, you come up the, what do you call it? Like the air train, like the thing that you walk off of the plane, right? Oh, she's, the, yeah. She's by the ticketing desk. She waited. I don't know if she had someone else on the flight, what was going on. And I just looked at her and she goes, next time, why don't you think about booking yourself an extra seat? Like she said it like it was like an insult from a movie. And my friend who was with me, oh who's like gosh. super non-confrontational and like was dying, like wanting the earth to swallow her this whole time this was happening, turned around and she was like, you're the worst, like da 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 But like, I think the thing that I hated the most about it was that like somehow uh, it like brought out the worst in me, even though I stand by sticking up for myself and I stand by like not just letting someone treat you like that and that somehow that they can like have the high road, but like there was no winning in that situation and there was no educating her and there was no changing her sense of like self-importance. And it was just a really horrible situation and it made me feel really bad about myself. And yeah, I don't know. It was just, it was really horrible. It's like she was waiting to just like 
at the end dig in and like finally say what she had been thinking and I feel like what you had like energetically been picking up on and again it's like oh you're fat like so that is like oh she's like I'm gonna get her do you know what I mean like in that I can't even imagine how that like made you feel in that moment like already feeling like someone's like disgusted by you someone is annoyed by you and then like them just solidifying basically what you were thinking and like your fear and number one like being in a bigger body in any situation, but then on a flight when you're like jammed in there, just like is the worst possible situation. And I'm proud of you for standing up for yourself because that's fucking hard. And like you said, you had to sit there for another hour with her on the airplane. I'm honestly though so glad she said the final insult because what it was that was the worst is I wasn't sure if what I knew was happening was actually happening. And right, so you're like, I'm- am I- insecurities making this all up yeah am I projecting this and 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 I know and I feel like if you've ever been in a situation before where you've been like fat shamed or someone's like called you out about your body in some sort of way like you know what's happening you know when someone's body language is less interested in you because of the way that you appear that they're like they recoil right and I was relieved that she said the thing because it just justified what I knew in my gut and it made me feel so validated that I wasn't making this up and that, in fact, she was the horrible person and that I wasn't like this, like, self-obsessed, you know, concerned about myself person. I was like, no, this is actually happening. And I think that's one of the things I thought about it a lot afterwards that's most insidious about fat shaming is that so much of it is done, like, in a kind of, undertone way you know like okay in your situation outside that bar that was pretty out in broad daylight but like a lot of it's just a look a lot of it's a disinterest to talk to you you know you see those things online where it's like oh the um difference in how people treat me now that I've lost 100 pounds is night and day and it's like we know what it feels like when someone is treating us as an equal or when someone is treating us as less than and we know why and so we gaslight ourselves a lot out of that truth because we almost, I think, don't want it to be true. But I actually think it's important to accept what is happening so that you can address it head on if you choose to. Well, and one thing that you just said there has kind of been something I've been thinking about too, which actually like made me really sad. And this might be controversial to say, I can't remember which one of you I was talking to about this, but for so long, I have been saying like, and I, and I, part of me still does believe this, like your life isn't going to be perfect if you lose weight. Right. But the sad reality is, is that people do treat you better. And a lot of things are better. I recently was seeing like this, um, clip from Claudia on the morning toast who, you know, she's opened up that she's been on Ozempic and how much her life has changed. And she basically said, everything in my life is better now that I've lost weight. And it made me really sad because it kind of like affirmed that in our society, sadly, like I don't think the relationship with yourself might improve based on your weight loss, but like you will be treated differently and you might get more opportunities. And like, it just made me really sad that we're still in like this place and how fat shaming is still such like a huge thing and, and you are treated differently. You guys agree? Yeah, I see both sides of what you just said. I think the number one thing is it doesn't necessarily change the way you feel about yourself. And I think that's really, really important to remember. But yeah, for sure, people treat you differently. And it's kind of like, it's like pretty privilege, essentially. Right, yeah. Right, and it's like people saying like, oh, if you're thinner, you're automatically like better looking. So you're more acceptable 
yeah. the, by society standard. But yeah. like statistically, I, you're more likely to get given a promotion. You're more likely to have career success. I think there was, I'll have to find it, but there was a statistic on how much more you will earn financially if you are within a certain size range. Like they've done that research. They have that data. And I think it, again, is kind of validating to fit females or I guess men as well that like experience that discrimination because that's what it is it's discrimination that we're not just making it up that this bias 100% exists okay girlies we just had our fall fashion episode so it's the perfect time to stock up on some new pieces and save using Rakuten Rakuten is the smartest way to save money when you shop. You can get cash back at over 4,200 stores across every single category, including fashion, beauty, electronics, home essentials, travel, dining, and so much more. Some stores I love shopping at are Sephora, Macy's, Neiman Marcus, Bloomingdale's, Walmart, and Nike, just to name a few, and they're all on Rakuten. I also love that their websites like Hotels.com and Travelocity, you can get cash back when booking travel, and I feel like that's the perfect way to travel and save money. At least that's what I'm telling myself. Rakuten's membership is free and easy to sign up, and promotions are always changing. And if you're wondering how it works, the stores pay Rakuten the commission for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the commission with its members. You get paid via check or PayPal quarterly. Maximize your savings by stacking cash back on top of other deals like store sales and coupons. And start shopping at Rakuten.com or get the Rakuten app to start saving today, and your cash back really adds up. Happy shopping! Our next partner is AG1. I don't know if it's because I just turned 30, but I am loving having routine more than ever. I used to like be bored by it, but now I just, oh, I just love it. I love having a mundane, boring routine. Okay. And one of my major parts of my routine is taking AG1 every morning. AG1 replaces your multivitamin, probiotic, and more in one simple drinkable habit. I take it every morning before I have breakfast or matcha, and it just sets me up for my day. Just one daily serving gives me the comprehensive foundational nutrition I need and supports energy, focus, strength, and clarity with 75 high-quality vitamins, probiotics, and whole food-sourced ingredients. If you're looking for a simpler, effective investment for your health, try AG1 and get five free AG1 travel packs and a free one-year supply of vitamin D with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com cc. That's drinkag1.com cc to check it out. I'm trying to think like, I always talk about how like my relationship with men is like where I struggle most with my confidence. And as I was thinking about this episode, I'm like, wait, this is obvious. This makes so much sense because when I'm thinking about the times that maybe I've been fat shamed, it all most of the time comes from men. Like I were one of my best friends in college. Um, we met freshman year. We were like best friends. Turns out he was like basically talking shit about me and my best friend Simone all the time. I guess before we would hang out, he would like make bets with his other friends on how much like Simone and I would eat. Um, and he, what? yeah, at one point he was saying like, oh, to my boyfriend at the time, oh, like at least my girlfriend doesn't weigh 300 pounds. 
and like saying all this stuff about me. And it was just like to have someone who you think is your friend and you think sees you for who you are. It's so discouraging that it still comes down to what you look like and like your size. Like that was the most like heartbreaking thing. Like I was just felt so betrayed, so belittled. And that's when like, I think my confidence was at its worst. This was my freshman year of college. I had gained like probably the freshman 25, not the freshman 15. And I just was like, wow, like no matter how funny I am, how, how, you know, kind I am, what a good friend I am. Like even in male friendships, men just see me as that. And I think that's why it's like been really hard for me to like get over that in my like dating life. Well, and I think that's why a lot of women also automatically put themselves in the friend zone. Like it's like you're the funny fat friend because like there is no chance a guy would like you because of your size. And a lot of times that's like something that we think about, but then it's not really a reality because I do sometimes think that we put ourselves in the friend zone, but then you have experiences like that that validate yeah. those thoughts, which is like what's so messed up. But then I still think, do you want to know what, like, where my confident Leo side comes in? Mm-hmm. I still think that he kind of was in love with me, my friend. Yeah. and But he <laughs> didn't want to admit it to himself that he liked like a curvy girl. And so he was like projecting all this stuff. Like 100%. I think he was into me and he didn't want to accept it. Because like all of this started to happen when I started dating his friend. And oh wait, I mean like one thousand percent. So I'm literally like he was, was in, in love, love with me. me. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was one hundred. Okay, you know what's funny? Because when I think a lot about my fat shaming, like a lot of it has been like culturally, like just growing up, like you don't want to be a, a larger body, like family, Greek culture, the emphasis on food and the relationship with food. But then so much of my body shaming and fat shaming came from like when I was trying to be a TV host and a blogger when I first moved to LA. And, like, my modeling agents, like, my managers at the time were all, like, she's got the face, but she's just got to lose the weight. Like, I'll never forget being at this modeling agency, my first modeling agency in L.A. I was there with Steve. He's like, look, she could have been booked for this campaign. She has that face. But the body. And I'm like, what? and I, re- yeah. And I remember being like, oh, I know. <laughs> no. And, and I'm not even kidding you. At this time, I was probably, like, a size six, size eight. I'm not even kidding you. And I was like, I know. And then, but then at the same time, I was like, no, but I, I, I think I still look good. And then because my you did. Hosting, because you still look great. My yeah. hosting manager was always like, you just need to lose weight, like, to be on TV. You need to lose weight. And I think for me, where my confidence comes in is like, fuck you guys. Yes. I'm successful in the body I am right now. And I feel like, I, I, I think I'm confident because I was able to, like, prove them all wrong, you know? Yeah. But, oh, I'll never forget those moments. I also think fat shaming can be unintentional as well. I have a friend who I absolutely love and adore, but I think she's on her own confidence journey. And you guys, every time we take a picture, she looks at it and she's like, oh, who let the heifer in here? She's like, that whale is coming. I barely fit through the door. She's talking about me? No, she's like, I barely fit through the door. Like, I know who you're talking about. I know who you're talking about. I'm and dying. Like, okay. <laughs> I'm a fan of self-deprecating humor sometimes. Like, it's funny. But, like, one night I just was fed up. And I was like, you realize I'm bigger than you. It's like, when you say that stuff, like, what do you think, like, how I feel? And, like, we had been, like, drinking and, like, whatever. And I'm obviously, like, how I just said it now, it wasn't in that tone. It was more like a joking tone. 
Um, but I just kind of was like, that is like an unintentional where I was like, okay, if she's looking at herself, who she's significantly skinnier than me, and that's the dialogue she's having about herself, what does she think of me? And she would never say anything to me. But like, that's an instance where I think fat shaming can be unintentional and you feel it when someone isn't even talking about you. Totally. I feel like that it was my entire childhood and like teen life. Be, like always being like a little insecure and then like my friends who were five size smaller being like, oh, I look so fat. Yeah. Or I feel so fat. And you're like, and I'd be like, wait, you guys, I'm bigger. And they're like, no, you look amazing. And that's like, no, like you can't possibly think that if you think that about yourself. But then sometimes I do feel like honestly people just have body image issues and are able to see someone else, even if they're in a larger body, as, like, someone beautiful and super attractive and confident, but can't necessarily, like, turn that same reflection and mirror on themselves. Yeah, but I still think they really, I still think they would never trade places with yes. your body. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. think the thing that annoys me a lot as well, I was listening to, I think it's uh, Tina Fey's book, Bossy Pants, and she was talking about how there's this idea that there's, like, not enough to go around, and I think, like, as women, we experience that a lot, right? Like, there's not enough. We already have our one female representative or whatever it is, and it's, like, this scarcity mentality that there's not enough, and it's wild to me that, like, people can think that there's not enough when we are the people that create and set limits, and so, like, for you, Christina, with, like, oh, you can't go on TV because you just need to lose the X amount of weight, says who? Like, that's the thing that outrages me. I'm like, if we really pause here and break it down, that is a made-up rule. That is like when your parent would tell you growing up that if you take your seatbelt off in the car, you're going to get arrested. It is completely fake. It is completely made up. And so it's just like this concept about like this sort of, and we do it to ourselves. We put ourselves on the spectrum where it's like, okay, well, at least I'm not that big or you know, I can't be that small. And like, where do I fit in the middle? And like, we're always kind of like stretching to get like a little bit closer to where we're going, or if only this. But if we just understand that that is a made up construct, that that isn't actually based on anything real, that if a man chooses to date a fat person, guess what? He's not going to burst into flames. He's probably going to have an incredible, wonderful experience, you know? And like the same thing, if they put someone who's 20 pounds, 40 pounds, 50 pounds bigger than the next person, 100 pounds, I, I don't care how many pounds, on TV, the TV won't explode. The person will just be on the TV existing as a wonderful TV presenter. And I think that's the thing that just bothers me the most is that like this culture around fat phobia and fat shaming, it's a choice collectively and it's something that I feel passionately that we have to start chipping away and doing the work that I'm doing. And like I think for real like it starts with, if I think back to my earliest experience of this, it was like in school, right? When you're little and it's like, we teach little kids to fat shame. We teach kids on the playground to yell out like, you can't play with us because you're fat or you're so fat or like whatever the insult is. And they see it because of TV and then there's a cartoon and then there's like the typecast and all that sort of stuff. And like, I had a kid say that to me once, they, they, they called me fat and a kid that I loved dearly and like wasn't really meaning it to be, um, an insult, but I think was more like an exploration of people say this and I hear them say it, what do you think of it? And I just turned to him and I said, I was like, yeah, I have some fat on my body, but it's the body that I have and everybody comes in different sizes. And I don't know if using that word, because sometimes other people use it to be hurtful is a very kind thing to say, but it is also a true thing. And I think it was just like dispelling the power behind the word is critical. But, like, do you guys have any other, like, insights as to how you think we can kind of 
flip this culture on its head or like start to move away from it because it is existent until we say the thing or we speak up. Well, I do think like, you know how you're saying it's made up. Like I do agree. Like finally, no one wrote the rules that like you have to be a certain size to be on TV. But when that has been like the standard norm, it's hard to break that. Like, and I know for me, like getting into influencing and blogging and stuff like that, I started this in 2011. Like there was maybe one or two plus size creators at the time. Like that was it. I was struggling so much trying to be a creator because even as someone who was like at the time, like 10, size 10, size 12, like I could not work with brands because I couldn't go into showrooms and that's what everyone was doing them and pull clothing. Like I felt so defeated. I honestly like didn't know what to do or didn't know how to run my business. And it was not until I was like, wait a minute, like, let's just talk about the elephant in the room, the elephant being me, you know, ha ha. Um, <laughs> and like, finally, I feel like it was like a little bit more relatable and brands started to take notice. Um, but I think that like, you just have to be bold and willing to make the statements. 100%. And I feel like, like, and I feel like, like you said, trust, trying to take like the negative out of being fat. Like for me, sometimes even though I'm like, wait a minute, like, why am I using the word curvy? Like, when I'm like titling videos or captioning, like, because I feel like, is that like a nicer way of saying like bigger bodied or fat? You know what I mean? I'm like, wait, like I do have like a fat stomach. Like that's okay. Like it's not necessarily like a negative thing. I think you have to take that negative connotation and that shame out of it for yourself. And by doing so, like leading as example. Like sometimes I think like Rosie, when you were asking like, how do we like change it? Sometimes I think about like, if I was in a different time, like, I don't know what times because I'm not a historian, but like times when like whenever like Game of Thrones happened or something or like, okay, that's horrible. <laughs> no, but, but, like, but like your renaissance body. Also, I don't know if that's the right time period, but yeah. Okay. So we are not historians. People don't fact check us on this direct time, but you get the essence of what I'm saying <laughs> is that like, I would literally be like a queen. Right. Like people would be like worshiping me. They'd be like, that's a big bitch. And she is our queen. She's eating lobster for dinner. Eating pasta (laughs) and lobster. Like people would be like, oh my gosh. If I was just born in a different time, which I don't want to be, you know, but for the sake of the story, at that time, that body type was seen in such a different way. And so it's now that we haven't put people on TV or in the movies or anything for so long. Like, that's why I think, like, these conversations are so important and what we're doing is so important is just bringing visibility visibility to people in bigger bodies to make it a normal thing. Because, like, seeing, like, a few years ago, seeing a curvy girl in a magazine or on a runway or anything was, like, not normal. And even still, last Fashion Week, there were next to none curved models in a lot of the shows. I do think it's even harder now, like, with the rise of, like, these medications because I will say, like, on my timeline, I am seeing people who I looked up to in, like, the plus-size, like, space quite literally, like, shrinking down so much that it's, like, very, very confusing. So I feel like it's... I almost feel like I need to play a bigger role and be like, okay, like... What are we here for? Like, remember that you don't have to be a certain size to be confident, to be happy. But I I honestly like seeing, I feel like everyone changing so drastically has like affected me in many ways as well. Oh, for sure. I feel like someone asked me the other day, they were like, do you feel like everyone is losing weight? And I was like, 
I mean, I don't want to use statements like everyone and blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, it, it does feels feel like, like that. Like, even I just saw an Old Navy commercial with the girl from Orange is the New Black with the crazy hair. I didn't even recognize her because she is has lost so much weight. Like, I feel like everyone has lost so much weight, which I think, listen, I think I have always been about moving your body, fueling your body, taking care of yourself, health. But it doesn't seem like now it is about health. It's about the fear of being fat and just glorifying being skinny. Definitely. And people aren't caring about like, I just don't think it is about health. The conversations aren't about health itself. It's just to be thin, which I think is where like maybe the pendulum is swinging and it needs to come back into the middle of just like living a healthy lifestyle. I think the thing is we have to flip it on its head a little bit here because I agree with you. I think if the current like fad and craze and trend is to like manipulate people's perception into that everything must be thin again, like we've been there, we've done that. We know full well that that doesn't do women well, it it can be very toxic. But that being said, I think we have to zoom out a bit further and realize that like, if we are going to continue on this hamster wheel of letting the people and the bodies around us dictate how we feel, we are always then buying into the game. And so if suddenly everyone else around us was getting fat, if I went on my feed and I was like, holy shit, everyone is put on a ton of weight. This is not good for the group. We have to be careful of this. Like this is going to encourage, like we can't have it I think maybe this is controversial, but I don't think we can have it both ways. I don't think we can turn around and be like, it's people's individual choice about their bodies and their health. And if they want to be curvy, doesn't mean that they're not healthy. If they want to be curvy, doesn't mean they're not happy. Like we can't then sit around and say like, you know, if these people are thin, it's not about health. It's about being thin because we don't know that. We don't know their bodies. We don't know their health. We don't know the choices that are motivating them. We don't know if they're doing it through medication or they're doing it by sweating their ass off in the gym. It's not for us to judge or quantify what other people do with their bodies. And I completely understand how it can feel confronting. But I think if we want to be a part of the change and if we want to be a part of neutralizing bodies and just letting people, especially women, exist, we as a collective have to find a way of tolerating a shift in the corporate because it's not for us to control other people. Do you know what I mean? No, I completely I get, that. get that. I told, I, I completely agree. And I think that's such a good point. I think it's just more of the messaging that I've been seeing, but no, no, Rosie, that's such a good point. I, I it's mean, a I hard challenge you. and it's confronting and I feel confronted by it too, because I'm still someone that will look around me, whether it's online through my phone or in a living room with other people, and I will still compare and I will still feel confronted because that's what we were trained to do and that is what culture has persuaded us towards. So I don't want to sit here like on a high horse and say that that's easy to disconnect from. It's not at all and it is very confronting. But I think in terms of being part of something better and a new way and a way that is freer for individuals and for women and for everybody, we have to take on that individual challenge to see some evolution in this culture around bodies. I guess it's just at a point where I feel like, yeah, that would be the goal is just to accept everybody for where they're at. But how do we get away from just glorifying thinness? I think I saw this thing the other day online and it was like a carousel of different celebrities throughout time that have been criticized for their weight. And it was like Britney Spears, like 
where she didn't have like shredded abs, but she still looked amazing and happy. And, you know, they're like Britney Spears, a whale, Jessica Simpson, holy shit. Like, you know, and it was all the different celebrities throughout time that have been criticized for their bodies. And when we look at it, we say to ourselves now retrospectively, what were they talking about? That's insane. And I think the way of getting away from it is unpacking and understanding the root of it. That when I think about the times in my life, just individually, that my body fluctuates, whether it's that I'm sitting with my family at the holidays, having, you know, celebration food over Christmas, or I'm away for the summer and I'm eating gelato and I don't care about what's on my plate because I'm enjoying life and I'm experiencing pleasure. And that can absolutely be through the medium of food or maybe you want to go out and socialize and drink alcohol and you are absorbing life around you and that often happens through the avenue of food and that often leads to fluctuations in our weight. That is a representation of freedom and pleasure and people like to control that in women. And so when we look at the way that celebrities get controlled and criticized and critiqued, why are we criticizing them and critiquing them? Because they are women that are successful, (laughs) you know? And so we can't but to let them have that and so we yeah. have to tear stripes off of them I'm like what is more powerful than Jessica Simpson being successful a CEO a boss of her own life being financially free like that is the like apex of women doing what they want to do for themselves and having full agency over their life and so society especially patriarchy and we're all even as women sometimes guilty of upholding and enforcing this we say let's tear them down through the vessel of their body. And so it's just like, if we're thinking about thinness, the most radical thing I think we can do is just realize that it's up to the individual to take agency over their own body, give them that space, give them that respect, and don't make it about this big collective thing. Like, let's just all look after ourselves. Now, it's different if a friend opens up to you and wants to share and wants to be in relationship and wants to say like, hey, I'm struggling with this or I'd like to be more healthy in this way or I feel unhappy in my body, like, will you support me in that? That's fine. But in the same way that we don't ask women about like, oh, are you planning to have a baby or are you this or that? Like we should kind of keep some of those things as individual health decisions that we don't have a right to just ask people about. I think the same applies to thinness or fatness or just our bodies in general. And I think there's something really revolutionary about that. And I think we will see a lot more women taking agency over their lives and the successes that come because of that. Yeah, I I agree. Where I sometimes get frustrated is that like, yes, we need to stop like putting so much emphasis on like really like zone in on ourselves, which we've talked about in other episodes. But where I just feel like there's still such a double standard of like, If someone were to look at me versus look at someone smaller than me, they would make assumptions about me and my health and not necessarily someone smaller. So that's where I sometimes get frustrated too. I was actually telling my friends on our hiking trip recently, sometimes feel like I have to prove that I actually am like very fit and very athletic and like out of my two friends, like... I actually was the most fit. But I have you seen you in the me, gym, girl. You throw down. <laughs> you were like super strong. Well, thank you. But if you looked at us together, people would maybe guess that I'm the least fit. And so like I was telling my friends, they're like, oh, why are you like so like wanting to get there in a certain amount of time? And I'm like, oh, like because I don't want people to think like I'm the one like slowing us down. Like 
And I don't know where I'm getting going on this tangent, but I feel like I have something to fucking to prove. I feel like because I'm not in a smaller body, I'm judged unfairly versus someone who looks different than me. And hey, this comes back to the thing we've been hearing for a long, long time, which is like, you can't tell someone's health by looking at them. It's, it's just funny that you say that because it just made me reflect on myself in the gym. And I can be very self-deprecating. Like, I know my strengths and I know my weaknesses. Like, for instance, I'm not fucking running a mile, okay? <clears throat> but I am strong. And I fucking love lifting weights. And I feel empowered in the gym. And sometimes I'm like, do I, like, want to make sure that everyone around me knows how hard I'm lifting? <laughs> they don't just think I'm just, like, a fat girl in the gym, you know? And I, I just haven't thought about that until right now. But I think maybe. Yeah. I think maybe, like, I'm like, oh, wait, like, no, like... Just because I'm in a bigger body doesn't mean that I'm not working out and I'm not strong. And there is almost something there to prove. And I know it's such a double standard and I, I know we don't want to judge anyone else. And like I, I understand what you're saying, Rosie, about like the ultimate goal is to like just like pretty much live a happy life and almost like mind your own business, right? Yeah. But like for me, I did grow up with these voices of like you can't eat this because you will be fat and fat is bad. Mm, right. Do you know what I mean? It's hard to unwire that. And when you're hearing that and when you are seeing people on social media kind of echoing that, like, I know you don't know what's going on internally and I know you can't judge someone's health. But I think for me, I do have like that echo. I do have that inner dialogue that started from such a young age that it's like hard to get rid of. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to invalidate that in any way because what both of you are saying is so valid. And I experienced that too, right? Like the assumption that people might think I'm unfit or unhealthy or, you know, all of those stereotypes that like we, yeah, we have been made to feel like that by others. But I think the solution is, and you guys are such great advocates of this, like you in the work that you do and through the Confident Collective, like for example, you show women that you can be in the body that you have, whether that's bigger or smaller, whatever, and be confident. So I think what we have to do to create change and move the needle is just use our individual selves to show the ways in which we are living peacefully and happy and successfully. So like for Ray, like you posting content when you're like in the gym lifting weights, maybe sometimes as you proving to others or proving to yourself, but it's also, it's just holding space for people in your situation to feel great about their strength and about their mobility or their fitness. And same for you, Christina. And so it's just like, I don't think we can ignore it. I don't think it's as simple as just like, put your head down and don't talk about it, mind your business. But I think we have to be careful that we don't fall into the trap of like, kind of making our lives about other people's lives. And so the the bold thing that we do to create change, I think is, and especially for the two of you and the amazing communities and platforms that you kind of exist within, just simply do you, you know? Like, because what you do and the, the way in which you show and share your life is so significant and powerful to people. And I think it dilutes your message when your life is in juxtaposition or comparison to others and I think it's when it's you just being like I feel great like I said this to you before like Christina every time I see you wear a crop top I'm so fucking empowered I'm like you look amazing you like the clothes that you guys wear like like I would never like put on a little mini skirt because I've I've got that same conditioning of like oh like your legs are going to be hanging out or your cellulite's going to be hanging out and I see you guys at fashion week like looking incredible and in skirts and dresses and crop tops and I just think that that is such a 
active rebellion and it's simple and it's you just doing it for yourself and it isn't in any way having to manage the bodies around you. And I think what you do already is really powerful. Well, thank you for that. And I will say what you just said about comparison. I think it comes back to that so much. Like Ray and I, we talked about how we had so much fun during New York Fashion Week. And the one thing that we both did was we were off social media. We would post our content and then get off. I remember I was like, what are you doing right now? You're like, I'm scrolling. I was like, stop Stop scrolling. I was like, you're not allowed (laughs) to scroll. And I think that the fact that we didn't look at what anyone else was doing made us have such a great time because we weren't comparing ourselves to anyone else. And like, obviously, like this conversation is about bodies, but you can compare yourself to someone's relationship, to someone's work, 100%. someone's like, like to every single thing. So I feel like being able to stop comparing is so important. And when I was preparing for New York Fashion Week, I think I told you this, but I didn't share it on the podcast, but I feel like it's a good note to end on because it was so nice. I was having the worst day. Mm. I was... I am not kidding you when I say this was like two weeks of ordering shipment after shipment after shipment, nothing freaking fitting me. So I decided to bury myself and go to the mall and try to find clothes in person. Literally nothing was fitting. I I was having the worst day. I was like, why am I even going? This is so stupid. I can't find any clothes. And then this girl, Jax, came up to me. I was in Aerie. She was like, oh my gosh, I love you. And I was like, hi. I was like, literally, like, look like a train wreck, was like almost in tears. And she's like, you've changed my life. You've made me so confident. Like, thank you for showing up. And it was like the nicest thing ever. She was like, I've had three kids. Like, I finally am able to, like, feel good in my body again. But you have been, like, such an example for me. And it was like literally what I needed. And I think a reminder for both of us because she was like, the Confident Collective is so important to me. Like, you guys have like literally changed my life. And it was like the nicest thing ever. And I feel like sometimes when I'm having like these bad spirals, I have to like remember to be the example again for myself too. Every time. That's so amazing, Christine. I love hearing you say that. Well, I think that's the perfect note to end on. Thank you so much, Rosie. Thank you guys for coming on and just sharing your wisdom with us. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode and we'll see you next week. Bye guys. Love you. Thank you so much for tuning in today. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes on our website, theconfidentcollective.com and find us on Instagram at Confident Collective. And if you really loved what you heard, screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it in your stories and don't forget to tag us.